Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Forward Church. Listen, I'm so glad you tuned in to today's podcast. I hope it challenges you and inspires you to go after God and be all that God's called you to be. Enjoy today's message. So I want to speak to you tonight for just a few moments. We'll see how far we get. If we need to push it out, we will. But I want to speak to you from the subject, second wind. Somebody say second wind. And I don't know if you ever played a sport. How many played sports in here? Any guys or girls? Softball. I know Sarah, she's in the other room. She plays softball, volleyball. Played a sport or maybe, maybe this happened to you at practice or maybe it was the big game and you got towards the end of the game and then all you know you've been playing hard you're sweating you start getting this odor from underneath you know this area right here don't smell real good but but everybody's everybody knows it's okay why because everybody smells on the game on the on the playing field amen boy that'll preach right there just because just because you come to church see i'm always trying to find some jesus in something stupid that i say we all stink but at the same time we all have the same, your sin may be, look different than mine, but I guarantee you there's stuff in my closet. But that's none of your business. That's between me and God that I'm working out. I'm not satisfied with where I am, but I'm saying, God, change me from the inside out. Make the change on the inside so when it starts on the outside, people go, wait a minute, there's something different about him. See, we all, sin stinks. Let me just move off that because that's a whole other message that I, that's not even tonight. But it's true. It, it's coming sometime. Sin stinks. I stink. That, that's going to be it right there, the sermon title. We all stink. You stink. I stink. We all stink for ice cream. Okay. Ice cream? Okay. I told y'all. See, what? it would have been worse if I'd have took that, that, that pain medicine. But anyway. But it's inevitable when you're on the game and you're playing the big game, you're getting hot and sweaty, you're tired, you're almost like you don't have anything else, like you've thrown it, you poured it all out on the field, and, but all of a sudden you hit a wall. That ever happened to you, you're playing? But then all of a sudden something miraculous happens. It's called a second wind. Something happens, it's like the light switch got turned on. Has this ever happened to anybody? It's like, it's like where'd the energy come from? It's like you poured everything out, you're like, feeling this thing close to death and then all of a sudden it's like somebody just hits you in the back and you're like hey let's play this thing let's do i'm winning this thing you ever felt that way it's 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 all it's happened to all of us in one way or the other it's 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 what i call all of a sudden winning is more important than the pain you're experiencing at the moment you could be running down the field with that football with a broken leg or and i know that sounds crazy but there are players that have done such crazy stuff before but 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 the but the it's more important for them to to get the goal and to win than it is for the pain they're going through. What is it called? It's a phenomenon called a second wind. It's happened to all of us. It's even happened if you say, "Well, I don't play sports." It happens to me a lot of times when I'm driving uh, in the late night on a trip. And you know how you you know anybody fight sleep. I'm, I'm talking about you got to roll the windows down. You know what I'm saying? To create some air in the room and, and, and to, you know, splash some water. You even get to where you put your hand on and you close one eye. Y'all ever done that? Like like you're actually getting some rest time or something? I don't know. that. There's got to be something crazy about that. I've done that. And then you'll switch to the other eye and you're, you know, you're doing all that. And then and you're like, man, if I could just get home, if I could just get to my bed, I'm going to sleep so good. But what happens when you walk in the door? You get wide awake. What is that? It's like Jesus. I was like, God, just keep me awake till I get home so I can go night-night. And then I get home, and it's like party's time. Really? It's called second wind. 
Second wind. So I've always been curious about this thing called second wind. Is it, is, it a, is it a psychological thing? Is it just in our mind? Or is it really something, I can't even say it. Is it a mental thing? Or is it something to do with what the, 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 the DNA inside of me? But this is so why I researched it. This is what, the, what it says if you look it up in the Wikipedia on second wind. A second wind is a phenomenon in, a, in distance running, such as marathons, triathlons, road running, and other sports, where an athlete is out of breath too tired to continue, and then suddenly finds the strength, listen to this, I love this, to press on at top performance with less exertion. In other words, you're performing better than you were when you had all your, you know, your, your stored up energy that you on your reserve, then all of a sudden you, got, you tapped in reserves and I'm performing more with less exertion. So I started thinking, is it, is it a phenomenon, is it just in distance running, it's what it said. It's, a, it's distance running. It's a race. So I start thinking, well, that's what, that's what our, our walk with Christ is. We read that. I have run the race. I've ran my course. It's the race set before me. We hear that all the time. So, so I'm trying to bridge the two together and go, is it, just, is it just for my flesh or is there something that I could tap into for my spirit on gaining second win? So second win is a phenomenon that happens when you hit a wall. And can't, can't go any further, and you're out of breath. But if you'll press through the wall, you'll actually move into a higher level of performance at less exertion. So this got me thinking. Is there an actual physiological experience of second wind, spiritually? Is there, is there a version of that spiritually? We, we understand that scientifically it, it, it does affect our flesh, but what about our spirit? If when we hit the wall, we'll press through, even though we feel like we can't go any further. But actually, on the other side of the wall is a more extraordinary version of who you are. On the other side of that wall is a better version of you. We put up walls in church that we don't want to go through because I like this. We put up walls in our marriage. There's a better version of your marriage on the other side of that wall. There's a better version of you than what the people you work with can see if you'll just press through. Somebody say press through. So is the same true for our spiritual journey? Is it possible that God wants us to run the race called life and when we hit a wall, we're to press through it? Because that's what happens in our flesh that we're, that we're doing in, in race, in, in a race and in life. But in spiritually... Is there something he's trying to press us to do and push through something? Let me say this, let me say this about, about uh, fit being physically exhausted. This is, this is so good. It's in the times that you're physically exhausted, listen, that's when you're most spiritually vulnerable. When you're tired, that's when the enemy comes at you because you're more susceptible and you'll, and you'll actually be open to the enemy dropping things that had no business in your life. Whether it's relationship, it's in those moments that you're tired. Two, two, time, two ways it can happen. There have been moments that I've come back from youth events and I've come to lead worship and I'm tired and my body is more, more open to the Spirit of God. I cry like a baby. I cry anyway, but there's something about when, because, but because my heart is turned towards God, when I get tired, it's, it's something, it, it's happened through the years. But the same can be said that when you're tired and you're exhausted, 
If you're in the wrong environment or around the wrong crowd, the enemy will quickly put stuff, and you're too weak to fight it off in the flesh and in the spirit. That's why it's important that you press through. Don't allow yourself to get exhausted and stay there. When you get exhausted, it's time for second wind. Somebody say second wind. We see this happen all the time in church. You get to the end of the week, you feel like you've hit the wall, and you're like, man, I need to go at church, but I'm just too tired. And then you wonder why next Monday, because you skipped church on Sunday, you wonder why the devil's having a heyday with your life the rest of this brand new week. I'm preaching way too hard that you're letting on. Either your toes are hurting and you can't talk. But it's true. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just saying, when, when, that, when you're tired, that is not the time to skip out on church. That's the time to press in. I don't need to go through another week having to pull all this old junk and all this old trash, old relationships into a new week when God's trying to get me to a new place to do new things in him. And you can't do new stuff with old, old materials. People say, let me, let me build you a house. You better be bringing some, some fresh wood. Don't be trying to build me a house with that. I got some old scrap wood. No, no, no. That's how we do with God. We're like, here, you can use me to build me up, but I, need, I, need I, I want to use some of these old relationships, and I want to use some of this. It don't work that way. Then you wonder how come you get down half of your life and, you, and, you, and, you, and everything's messed up. It's because you've been trying to help God build up a new person with some old materials. I think I work better without the notes. What do you think? It's so true, though. God, you can have me, but can I, can I help you a little bit? Put some of this right here. It's not the time to, 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 when you're tired to say, well, I just need to rest. There are moments to rest. Don't get me wrong. I go hard all year long, and then I take a couple Sundays and a couple Wednesdays in the summertime. But after that, I mean, because the body needs to rest. But there are other moments where the enemy will try to convince you, you're too tired. Don't, 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 just, just rest. God understands. Tell that voice to go to hell. Because he know, the enemy knows what, what God wants to do. He knows that there, he's been to heaven. He knows what's going on. He knows what the plan is. And he's trying to distract you, divert you, and get you off course. I refuse. Somebody say, I refuse. I refuse to, allow, I, to, be, the, to be the devil's pawn. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. I got to keep going. There's too much good stuff in this tonight. Somebody say keep going. It's in those moments that we, it's in the moments of being tired that we become, we become susceptible to emotional devastation. Relationships start messing up and choices, we'll begin making choices that could, could set our course of our future and our destiny off track forever. Just because I simply refuse to press when I hit a wall. What I'm trying to tell you is, you're going to hit a wall. Preachers don't like to talk about it. You're going to hit a wall. It's not always going to be cheesecake and pie and everything's lovely for me and mine. It's going to be, you're going to hit a wall. But what are you going to do when you hit the wall? Press through. That's what I'm talking about. Talk back to me. Listen, God doesn't want, uh, doesn't want the wall to be the end of your story. He doesn't want what's in front of you to be the end. He doesn't want that to stop you. He's trying to develop something in you, and it's not all the time that, that, that God brings up the wall. He may allow the enemy to put the wall up. You may put the wall up, but he's going to try to use that to do something in your life. He wants to do something in you and through you. I believe that. God wants to take you through the wall because there's something extraordinary waiting on the other side. So I start thinking. I start thinking... 
Who in the Bible is somebody we could look at who hit a wall and yet God still used over and over and over? Immediately, my mind went to Peter because Peter, 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 Peter messes up everything. If there's anybody in the Bible who you can look at, matter of fact, if you ever need to feel good about yourself, go read about Peter. Because there's enough bad stuff that he's done to make you look real good and make me look good. And this, isn't, this is just one instance. Peter messed up a lot of times. But this is so encouraging to me because even though he messed up, God still chose to use him. And just because you messed up and just because you're probably going to mess up tomorrow and you're probably going to mess up next year, that does, God, as long as you're still on the journey to pursue God's heart and want, and want what's best for you that he wants for you, he will use you. But you got to press. Somebody say press. Press through that wall. Press through that wall. Matthew chapter 14. Let's go. Verse 25. Now, let me say this. I always get nervous when we look at a verse that probably everybody in the room knows because your subliminal mind tells you, oh, I know that story. I got everything I need. But what I'm hoping tonight is you're going to read a story that you already know about, but you're going to hear something you never heard before. Because this changed me this week. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I'm sure that everybody in this room has heard some type of a talk or a sermon or vacation Bible school or Sunday school about Peter walking on the water. Everybody, anybody heard this story before? Okay. Because I knew that everybody's heard it. I don't want to spend my time on him walking on the water, getting out of the boat. We've, we've all heard that. What I want to talk about is what nobody really ever likes to talk about, and that was the walk back. I want to talk about the walk back. Because, see, and I can't wait as we get into August and September, I've got a cool message I hadn't even titled it yet, but it's going to be talking. It's stuff that we deal with all the time, such as mess-ups. What do I do now? I just messed up on the way to church. What do I do? The fact that you still came to church, that's a pretty good start. And I'm going to unpack and, 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 and break some stuff off that church in general has taught us or uh, 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 tried to teach us how to respond to people who mess up. While the whole time, they're messing up. <laughs> the coolest thing about being at the dentist's office the other day was when they always ask me, so what do you do? And they, they can see it. It's so funny because the dentist I go to, they play music, and they always ask you, what do you prefer to play? And I can always tell if they read my chart before they ask me because they start playing Christian music. So I like to blow them away. They said, what do you want? I said, y'all can, can play anything. I said, don't play none of that classic rock stuff. I don't need none of that. Said, but y'all can play anything. Of course, they put on today's hits, and I'm cool with that. See, so then when they look at the chart and they're going, but he didn't ask for Christian music. And then they look at my tattoos and like, and they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And, they, and he says, really? Because my dentist is actually on paternity leave, so this is a new dude from uh, the university. 
him and the nurse are going to come and visit us. Because he said, he said, I'll drive. He said, you, are, you, don't, you don't fit the description of what most preachers are like. He said, you're real laid back and, you, and you're, just, you just, you're just real. And I said, that's exactly how we're supposed to be at the church. So what I want to do is begin to unpack some things that the church has put on us on how to deal with people who, who are jacked up and screwed up and mess up, including the pastors. That's why when I always say let's learn about, let's, let's dive into God's word together, that's because we're all learning together. Amen? So the only part I want to talk about is the walk back. Everybody say the walk back. No one ever talks about the walk back. We talk about Peter stepping out of the boat, walking on water, and then sinking. That's real popular to talk about and point the finger that you messed up, now you're sinking. You should have never got out of the boat. There's preachers that preach that stuff. Now, if Jesus says come, it don't matter what everybody thinks about it. I'm, I, whatever he said, I'm doing that. Yes, Peter hit the wall. Peter began to sink. Peter lost his focus. And for a few moments, his faith took a hit. Nobody seems to talk about what happened after that. So the verse, the breakdown is, they're out there. Storm comes. Jesus is walking on the water. And the disciples, who are burly fishermen, turn into a bunch of sissies. Ha! Ah, it's a ghost! I mean... For real. That's what I, I, I take the Bible for what it says. These are burly men who have seen all kinds of storms, and all of a sudden they see something on the ocean that looks like a ghost. Remember, they were just with Jesus on the other side. You can't recognize this man that you've been hanging out with, sleeping and eating and all that. You can't recognize him, and you, ah, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, be not afraid, it is I. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, number one, Ghost, whatever you want to call him, he's walking on the water. What Peter said is, prove it. I need you to do a miracle. Uh, Hello, he's already walking on the water. Who else would be walking on the water? And you're saying, I need you to prove it. I I need you to prove it. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. Now, I love this about Peter. I love love his mindset with this. Peter didn't pray, Lord, if it's you, calm the sea. That's what we pray. Hold on now. That's what we pray. God, if you really love me, I need you to clean all this mess up. God, if you're really for me, if you really walk with me and you talk with me and you tell me I am your own, all of that stuff, all that Sunday school stuff. If you really do, I need you to, I need you to calm all this down. I need you to calm all this down. That's not what Peter prayed. He said, no, if it's you, I need you, I need, I need you to tell me to come out to you. He didn't say, take away the clouds and give us some sunshine. No, he said, if it's you, I don't want you to prove who you are. I want you to prove who I am with you. See, we're like, okay, I need you, God, you love me? I need you to turn a trick so I know this is, no, no, no. I need you to show me what I am with you. So stop praying, God, calm the storm. And No, you just say, God, Stop praying, God, clean up this mess. You need to stop creating a mess. Hello. I mean, you keep praying, God, change, change that. He's wanting to do something in you. If he can change you, the mess will stop because half the time the mess is created by me. So he wasn't saying prove who you are, prove who I am with you. Amen? He said, Jesus, call me out to the water. How many times do we ask God for a miracle, but we don't want the miracle if, it, if it's going to affect us? God, I need you to do a miracle as long as it's not going to, you know, disrupt me. 
Think about how we prayed. Man, this hit me when I, when I reread this and slowed it down because I've heard it so many chopped up ways. But when I read it this way, I would rather it become real because I know it's a real person that it happened to and not just a Bible character that I'll never see. Now, as long as I got a relationship with Jesus and when I die, I go to heaven, I'm going to see Peter. And then I'm going to ask him exactly what was going on. So Jesus says, come. So this is the takeaway. Some of you will keep doubting who God is because you want God to act outside of you. You're going to continue to doubt who he is because you're wanting him to display all this stuff instead of actually changing you. Then you won't have to worry about all the stuff happening. Listen, but you'll, you may want to write this down. I'll try to say it as slow as it came to me. But you'll only know who God is when you ask God to change your experience, change your life, and change you. That's, that's how you're going to know who God truly is. Watching him do a miracle, watching him clean up your crap, watching him clean up the marriage that you've jacked up, watching, that's not going to change you, but, but when you allow him to change you, that's going to take care of all this other stuff. I keep saying it, and somebody's like, you're beating a dead horse, but that, if we stop doing all that, we're guilty of saying, God, help me, no, change me. Instead of constantly asking God to change our circumstances and to get us out of another mess, how about asking him to change us? Peter asked Jesus, let me come to where you are. Let me, let me pause and say this. There are pla- you can go places without God. You can go places without God. There are actually successful people in this world who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that are going places, doing things that are, that, that are not even God-related. But what they don't understand is the gifts, talents, and all of those things that are in them, that's a gift to them from God. But what Peter said is, I, wanna, I, I, I want you to tell me where to go. I want you to say, come, and I'm walking. I'm walking. The question, though, is, where are you tonight? I'm going to make it personal. Where are you tonight? Can you say that you're honestly at a place in your life and you look around and go, I'm here because, because he told me to be here? Okay, don't, don't, don't shake your head yes or no. Just think about that. For my life, I can honestly say that where our family, Amy, Ansley, Grace, and I, where we are right now, we are honestly moved back to Chiefland almost four years now, five years, I don't know, lost count. It's because of he said come. So what you need to ask yourself is, I'm not, he's not going to ask you to move out of the state. He may, he may not. But where you are, can you honestly say, I'm at this place because this is where I'm confident, this is where God told me to be and wants me to be. If you say, I'm not sure, then you need to start saying, God, where do you want me to be? It's not about geographical locations. Where are you? Who are you hooked up with? Who are you connected with? God, am I supposed to be here at this moment with these people? He'll let you do what you want to, but there are consequences for it. One day I'll be able to share. You, you, some may already see stuff on Facebook. I'll, I'm not prepared to share yet. But even in my own life, even in my own family, this is what God told me on a cruise ship this past summer. When life gets unconventional, conventional Christianity will not work. When life gets unconventional, when things start happening out of sequence, the way I was raised the way the church told me I'm supposed to respond, conventional Christianity will not work in an unconventional society. And baby, let me tell you, we are living in an unconventional society. You can throw all that conventional Christianity, all that religious stuff out the door. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ to allow him to, to help you process the things that we go through in life. So where are you? 
where are you? Are you at a place that you could only be because Jesus said come? If you're going to catch your second wind, you've got to look how far you've come. Listen to this. When you hit the wall and you feel like giving up and you feel like I want to quit, what you need at that moment before you kick the door that's going to propel you to kick that wall down is to look and see how far you've come. I know that even in this year, and I'm not going to go into detail, but I know many, many, many of you in this room, there have been circumstances that have devastated you, that, 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 that's been just crazy, unexplainable things that was, I, I will call a wall. It, it was a wall. But the fact that you are sitting here tonight should be an encouragement to let you know I'm not there anymore. That doesn't mean you're over whatever, whatever, whatever it was. That just means where you are tonight is not where you were at the moment you felt your nose hit the wall. God will walk with you. He will bring you through this thing, whatever it is. So don't let the enemy say, you've hit the wall and just give up. It's, it's, it just, it's over. It's not over. As long as you got breath, you still got purpose. As long as you got breath, you still got purpose. The reason you have breath is because there is a purpose for your life. And on the other side of that wall is a better, more confident child of God, man, woman, whatever. There on the other side of that wall, it is up to you to determine if you're going to kick that door down and obtain what is rightfully yours. It's yours. It's a better version of you on the other side of that wall. I don't know about you, but I want the, I want the better version. If Amy was here tonight, she'd say, yeah, I need him to be here too, the better version. It's true. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water. That's extraordinary, yes, and I don't want us to look, overlook that, but only two people have ever done it. Only two people have ever done it. Only two people have ever done it, but let me tell you how that works. Jesus could walk on water without Peter, but Peter could never walk on water without Jesus. What the plan that God has for you and your family and your life and your future and your destiny, you will not obtain it without Jesus. Jesus can do all things on by himself. He doesn't need your help, but you need his. He's calling us to do extraordinary things he wants us to be an extraordinary church and an extraordinary people but you got to get before an extraordinary God and have a relationship with him for that stuff to be an operation in your life and the church said amen Peter gets out there you know the story he looks at the wind this is so funny because I've always heard he saw the wind in the waves because I was like what was it what was it that he saw that got him so freaked out that he began to sing I've always heard it preached, the wind and the waves. But it's not, it's not in this translation, and if you go back, it's not even in the Greek. We add that in there. We, infer, we, we add the waves in there. Listen, it was the wind that he saw. Now, you and I both know you can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. Now, this is, this is, I want you to think about this. Something that's never been done before other than Jesus in that moment. No man has ever walked on water. He's already doing the impossible. Peter is doing the impossible. Now he is seeing the wind. Think about this. He is seeing something that he can't see. Maybe that means God is trying to get us to a place of impo- He wants us to get comfortable with impossible things so that when you begin to walk on water, then you start seeing things that really aren't there. God is trying to move us to a place where all we're doing is what seems impossible. The proof of God in your life is when you step out 
and step forward in an area that you clearly heard from God about and you arrive there, look around and know that you only made it to that place because God brought you there. So, so when he begins to sink, he said, Lord, save me. Why did he say that? Because he was comfortable and understood the only reason he was where he was was because Jesus was with him. So he didn't call out for all them dudes back at the ship. He called for the one that was walking with him. So when, it, when you start going through crazy stuff in life, the person you need to call out to is the person that you're walking with. Could it be the reason we're going to Facebook for our answers is because we're not walking with the one who can actually change our circumstances? See, he called out for Jesus because he understood the only thing that got me out here was Jesus, and he's the only one that's going to save me. That's why I said, are you at a place in your life where you can say, I'm here because of Jesus? Now, if you're at a place, then guess what? He's not going to leave you. He's right there. And when trouble does come, all you got to do is call out to him because he's right there. But if you're at a place that he's not called you to, and then you start trying to call out for him, the reason we don't know where God is is because we're not walking with him. That's why when we call him, we're really not sure if he's listening. But when you walk with him every day and you have conversations with him every day, you can call on his name and expect him to show up. What Peter remembered was this. When the storm came, I'm not, I'm not alone. He wasn't alone. That's why it's important to be at a place where God has called you to be. Something that I want to show you at the end of this story and I'm cutting out way much, but I, I want to I make sure I'm right where I need to be laying this thing. Something I think is very interesting, and you can read this as I'm saying it, but he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him when he began to sing, Right? He didn't, as Peter was going down, and it says beginning to sink, he didn't have what the church would like to do when people begin to have a hiccup in their life and have a teachable moment. He didn't, he didn't have a, Jesus didn't have a teachable moment with Peter. Well, I told you, you start looking around, you're going you're gonna to sink. I told you if, you, if you dated that guy, this is what's going to happen. I told you. See, that's what the church does. We want to have teachable moments and hope they make it. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, Lord, save me. And immediately he grabbed his hand, caught him. Once he brought him up, he had a teachable moment. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But what you need to notice is the wind was still swirling wind was still during all of this they are literally standing on the water because if you go on it says and when they and went when so we don't know how much time happened between lord save me i caught you ye of little faith the teachable moment and them getting in the ship we don't know it just says and when they got back in the ship the wind ceased jesus had the power that the moment that peter went down because I mean, let's face it. Jesus said, come. So we're trusting him. He's going to take care of me. But what did he allow happen? He let those winds blow as hard as they could. And here's Peter. And at the moment he began to sink, Jesus had the power to stop it all. But he didn't. Did he? He didn't. He has the teachable moment 
Everything's still going on around him. They're walking back to the ship. They get in, and at the moment they get in, the wind ceases. What are you saying? I'm saying don't get freaked out when life gets crazy. Jesus, help save me. No, change me. Change me. I'm wanting him to change some things in me that how we respond as a ministry to people who are really hurting, who are really going through stuff, who have made some bad choices. It's up to us. Everybody's standing all over this room tonight. You got to get to a place. You got to get to a place where what you're going through is nothing compared to what we're going to. Can I say that again? With what you got to get to a place where everything you're going through is is a, is just is down here compared to where we're going to. God wants to do some incredible things through you. Through our students. He's he's checking some things in me at how I can be involved and more involved with the students and 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 stuff and I'm just telling you when he's shaving enough stuff off of you when we come in here and get in the word together just know he he's he's shaving it's like keto diet for me he's shaving some stuff off I, I've heard that keto diet is it's a really rough thing so is when you ask God to, to, to shed some stuff off but he wants you to be strong he wants, you to, he wants you to walk every day not feeling defeated. He wants healthy marriages. marriages. He wants extraordinary marriages. I, I, I say it every week, and I, I don't see Chieflin how Chieflin currently is. I don't see Chieflin when I drive through streets and I see houses that are half-standing and I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that. What I see is people. Right now, I'm watching him put some stuff together, so that we can be the church to step out and help our city. Strong people, strong people. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.